Is it even a podcast if I don't show up in the beginning? So what you will notice as we get back into Cthulhu Confidential for a little duet play is that our sync issue is completely fixed. We changed the way that we were capturing our recording, but my levels on this track are a little low. That is something I fixed. So episode four, I think, is when you'll see that fixed completely, but it's not too bad. We're just, again, iterating, fixing the processes. So you'll see a improvement in recording as we get used to our new setup. Um, But yeah, I hope you really enjoy this one. It was so fun to get back into Cthulhu Confidential, and I'm excited to share this with you and some other games we have coming up. So definitely keep an ear out for us. Welcome to Fathomless Sleep, episode two on the Just Barbarian Things actual play of Cthulhu Confidential. The Los Angeles of this world contains graphic violence, questionable morals, bad language, the occult, otherworldly dangers, and some historical discrimination and politics. You have been warned. This is a duet game featuring Santiago as Enrique Kincaid, private investigator, and me, Rainey, as the game master. It's LA, 1937, and Enrique Kincaid is on the case. All right, so it's been a while since we've played Cthulhu Confidential, but it has. <laughs> we're, we've moved. We got our space set up and we can do it again. So let's right. do it. <laughs> let's do it. That's such a great part of that movie. <laughs> All right. For everyone who doesn't understand my movie references, that's uh, a part of Walk Hard starring, uh, you know, um, what John C. Riley and um, Jenna Fisher among many other awesome people. So it's been a while. It's been a minute. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, continue. Um, so for those of you listening that one may not have heard the first episode for quite a while, cause it came out a while ago. We're refreshing for you uh, Two, If you're a new listener and you're like, what the heck is this Cthulhu confidential business? Um, use this refresher as knowing where we are in the game. That's fine. You don't have to go back and listen to the old episode. But three for Santiago, because you don't remember things that happened, uh, we'll go over it. So that way everyone, all of us are on the same page. Yeah, it's like we we really need to bring things up to speed, I think. So that's good. No, it's been a long ass time. All right. So our first scene began... Well, I guess let's get into it first. Your character is a private investigator. He works by himself. He has his own office, and his name is Enrique Kincaid. And you created (laughs) a whole background for your character. You established what your skills and abilities are. Um, And you have contacts that fill in the gaps in your abilities that you can reach out to if you need help. Because, for those of you who don't know, Cthulhu, uh, Cthulhu Confidential is a gumshoe one-to-one game. So it's actually designed to be one GM, one player. And so it 
gives you those abilities to fill in those gaps so you're never unable to do something. You can never get <laughs> stuck unless I'm not doing my job. So you always have a way. All right. So we began with a dame walking into your office. As, uh, as any good noir story does. Right. <laughs> um, and so you were, um, and I'll just bring these up as we go, were contracted by Margaret Deacon to look into what happened to her sister. Her sister is Helen Deacon. So she tells you that six weeks ago, Helen went missing. Um, after a couple of days, they reported her being missing to the police. And four weeks ago, so two weeks after she went missing, Helen turned up dirty, only in her camisole and slip, like in her under things, blood-stained, incoherent, wandering around downtown. The police picked her up. They recognized her for who she was and brought her home. Um, this is not unusual for people of means to get around the normal processing because they have that money. So the police were kind, brought her back home without it being like a public fuss. And the same is true today. <laughs> so when Helen got home, she was really out of it. Didn't even seem to like recognize her sister. Uh, she kind of goes in and out of being in a catatonic state and you learned from Margaret that Helen can sometimes be really reactive to certain stimuli in her current strange state. But they haven't been able to get any information out of her because she's not super responsive. What you got from Margaret is that she's worried that she waited too long to start looking into this, that maybe the trail's gone cold but what she needs to know is what happened to her, because at this point, they don't even know if she can recover. The only lead that Margaret was able to give you out of the gate was that she was aware that one of the men that Helen was involved with was a, a young, dashing screenwriter named Marshall Daly. Marshall had come over to the Deacon residence to look for Helen or to inquire about her. Um, Margaret was suspicious of him, so she told him that Helen was missing um, and basically kicked him out off their property, but has not had any follow-up contact with him. So you went down to Typewriter Alley, where the screenwriters work on the back lots. Um, you found his office, and you tailed him after he left the office. You saw that he went to a residence where there was a meeting of some kind, which you um, were able to intuit was like a, a communist filmmaker meeting where they were um, pitching ideas for how to make Hitler look extra dumb 
uh, in their films to help like degrade Nazi support. Um, and then eventually you tailed him home to his apartment and then back out to a bar where you um, confronted him. I mean, not meanly or anything, but by name at the bar. We were like, you know, hey, would it do? Um, but in noir terms. And he um, accused you of being someone who had been following him for a while. He seems very paranoid. And he took a swing at you, which you easily sidestepped and kind of reversed on him, um, which is how you got your, just closing some of these windows here, your quick reactions edge that you have on the board right now. And he kind of like threw his hands up like, hey, don't want any trouble. I'm just sick of being followed sort of thing. And that's basically where we left off last time, where you've got him into a position where he's willing to talk instead of fight. Um, and now you're trying to figure out what he might know or whatever you're going to do next. So just to remind you of things that are on the board right now. Uh, problem. Okay, so that's where we are right now. Yeah. You're saying uh, mm -hmm. we're, we're in the bar. He, he, <laughs> he took a swing. It turned out to be a mistake. But I went easy on the rube and uh, kind of let him off without roughing him up. But now we can talk, it seems like. Right. You have okay. secured his cooperation <laughs> through besting <laughs> him um, when he tried to take a poke at you. Uh, right. As they would say. So mm -hmm, mm -hmm. problem one that you see on the board, that was your starting problem that you chose at the start of this scenario. So this yeah. is just something that helps you determine role play. Uh, might get you into a little bit of trouble, and it's something I can invoke at certain parts of the scenario to like make things a little bit more difficult for you because this is a, a quirk in your personality, basically. Right. So do you want to remind people about what that is? Yeah, so Enrique uh, suffers from um, who killed the cat and... Uh, it's just, he can't help himself when it comes to figuring out uh, the how and the why of things. So even when he shouldn't look or even has no reason to want to know something, he just can't not look into it. Can't stop probing, poking at it, picking at it. It's like a scab in his mind and he just worries problems like a terrier worries a rat. Just got that tenacity. You cannot leave well enough alone. That's your, yeah. your issue. <laughs> that's the short answer. That's that's what someone would say who doesn't suffer from my personal affliction in real life <laughs> of just like using 50 words when three will do. <laughs> you're, no, you're just Sorry, everyone. Good. You're basically reading into the record. I was just helping out. I was. No, I know. <laughs> fine. You're doing great. So far. You're the best. I need practice. <laughs> no, you're good. So far, based on your exceptional actions within the first two scenes, um, you have gained two edges. So we talked about quick reactions. That's the one you got for doing very well on the challenge when Marshall tried to take a swing at you. Um, and just to remind you, you can spend that edge to get an extra die on any athletics, driving, or fighting test. 
And when you spend that edge, it goes away. But it's there for you. You can use it. Um, yeah. You also have the edge self-possessed. This was from uh, resisting falling madly in love with Margaret when she walked into your office. <laughs> um, <laughs> so your show she is... Oh, go ahead. She is gorgeous. I don't, I don't know who we cast as her, but I believe we cast like a very famous actress yeah. from the, the 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 silver era of, <laughs> of Hollywood mm-hmm. or, or whatever that era was, you know, in the, the 20s the and 30s screen. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Why don't you come up and see me and stuff like that, yeah, right? Very much that, so. that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so, um, so that edge, you can spend it to get an extra diet on a cool or stability role, or a plus two bonus for any other general or mental test. Mm-hmm. So non-physical, basically. Can't use it for fighting. All right. So that's where you are. That's your setup. You have, again, Marshall Daly kind of backed against a table where you've reversed him in your cowboy bebop martial arts noir style. Um, he's kind of giving you the like, not the moneymaker, you know, gesture. And again, he said, um, you know, I just thought you were with those scoundrels who were following me all the damn time. So. Look, Marshall, I, th- I think we need to take a step back here and uh, I'm reach past his upheld hands to straighten out the lapels on his jacket and, and do the whole uh, straighten the tie thing, you know, while I'm while I'm saying this, basically put them back together a little bit, you know, in a, I think we just need to have a little talk here. We can be friends, you and me, but uh, I think if we can keep things cool, we might be able to. Uh, get along a little better and I'll give him the like pat pat on the cheek sort of thing as I turn back and lean against the bar and uh, take out my cigarette case, tap and start tapping one on the end of it, put it in my lips, put that away, take out my lighter, clink, schlink, light it up. It gesture to the bartender with the, uh, with the fingers holding my cigarette to set us up and, uh, Turn back to Marshall. Now, look, I haven't been following you. If there are people are following you, that's something I might be able to help you with. But that's not why we're here. Me and you, we need to have a talk about flicks and mashes off Helen Deacon. All right. I'm going to pause there. I mean, for us, like podcast people are this part. I have to get our sound set up. I didn't realize I didn't have my jukebox set up. So how can you survive without having bar noises in the background? Oh, do we want it to be like a a real happening place? No, I feel like maybe it'd be like the kind of uh, like like maybe maybe it's happening, you know, during peak hours. But right now it's just kind of slow and and lazy, you know. bit of a, a 
quiet sort of place. There's just a little bit of distant music in there. Not too crazy. Alright, and then just for the record, it is both hot and windy here today, so it is prime allergy time somehow just like every time we record, so... <laughs> Yeah, so I sound a little snarfly. I apologize. Sorry. My asthma's acting up today, so also my mm. tummy. You hear my tummy? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, we should have like, I don't know, should have had some lunch or something first. But you know what? We'll 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 get something after this, and it'll be nice. A little a recap, a little after action report. It'll be it'll be fun. So all right. Yeah. So you've told Marshall. But you need to talk about Helen. And he says, oh, are, are you looking for her? Why don't you let me worry about what I'm doing there, pal? For now, you just need to tell me everything you know. Oh, what, what do you need to know? I mean, I've known, I've known her a long time. Go on. When did you meet? Oh, maybe, uh, gosh, at least a year ago. Long time, huh? All right. Well, sounds good. What, uh, what would you say is the nature of your relationship? Well, casual. Um, you know, we would, uh, visit each other pretty regularly, but we both had people on the side. I knew the arrangement. Nothing serious. Would you say, would you say you both knew what that was? Oh, absolutely. As much as I liked her, she made it very clear that I was a toy to be kept at arm's length. When's the last time you saw her? Flick, flick of the ashes. Uh, well, until about six weeks ago, uh, she would visit me quite regularly, either if they're at my office or, you know, at my apartment. Uh, never for too long, you know, we'd enjoy each other's company and she'd usually head out on her way, but, um, you know, I, I tried to push for something a little extra. She's a special dame, but she, uh... She always cut that off pretty quick uh, when I tried to delve into that territory. Let's see. Um, I last saw her, because I can tell you exactly, 43 days ago. <laughs> and Okay. And, and just to refresh my memory real quick, what, uh, what year is it? <laughs> 1937. 1937 in Los Angeles. Correct. Very good. All right. Thank you. All right. So he said that, you know, she stopped coming around, which isn't unusual. She'll go for a while without stopping in, but it went for about a week 
without seeing her where I got a little worried. So I went over to, you know, the deacon place to, to see if she was there. And her sister told me she was missing and that battle axe in a in kitten clothing just drove me off. Didn't even give me any details. So I don't know. So, sorry, when did he say was the last time he saw her? Um, about six weeks ago. About six weeks ago. All right, let's assess his honesty. Give him the hard eye. See if he's, <laughs> uh, see if he's lying to me or not. Um, he is not lying about when he last saw Helen or the... Uh, kind of method of their relationship. He does seem a bit cagey, especially when he talks about the people following him. Um, but uh, everything he's telling you about Helen appears to be truthful. Okay. All right. So after uh, giving him a, a scrutinous eye, I'll uh, I'll tell him I believe you. No, why uh, why would anybody be following you, Marshall? You in some kind of trouble, gambling debts? Uh, you have cop talk, right? I do. You would know, as a former officer of the law. Um. Marshall's probably being cagey because he's a communist and he doesn't want to attract attention from the LAPD's red squad. But as far as asking him why someone's following him, he tells you, I don't know, jealous husband, maybe whoever it is. Once I figure it out, they're going to get the end of this fist that they don't want. Well, all right. They better look out if they know what's good for them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I can't think of anything else to ask uh, Mr. Daly here. Um, I think that I would uh, give him my, my my calling card. I don't know if a business card is a thing in this era, but uh, give him a, a card that's like, you know, if, if you if you think of anything else, if anything occurs to you, swim through that pretty little head of yours about Helen, maybe her whereabouts or where she was. Um, I want you to call my office and you can leave a message or you can uh, drop by if, uh, if anything occurs to you. Make sure and let me know. As far as where she could be, like I said, I tried. I tried to quarter, go on some proper dates. Um, it never worked out, but the only place I know of that she was probably spending time because she tried to get me to go there once. I laughed so hard she never brought it up again. Uh, was a this place called the Order of Argent Light. She had some kind of spiritual guru there. Did she give you a name? Oh, uh, some woman 
Uh, Clara Nebel runs the place. Oh, one time when I was helping her get her things back together uh, after a visit, I did find a, a chip, one of those high dollar chips from a casino called the Alegria. I tried to get her to take me there, but when I mentioned it, she acted like I'd run over her cat. All right. So she kept it, I assume. Like he gave it to her yeah, and she, she kept like, it. snatched it away and... Snatched it away. Mm-hmm. How dare you? Psh, slapped it. <laughs> I don't think there's any slapping, but sure. That's that's just the de- default like reaction of any like you know socialite in my mind to something, yeah. right? That that she doesn't like when a guy is like you know, <laughs> say, do you know what time it is? I got a lunch with uh, my uncle <laughs> at one, and, and, and you know she doesn't like that. So how dare you? <laughs> Whatever. Like, it's just funny. Anyway, um, all right, cool. Sounds good. I've got a couple of more leads, I think, from this. Honestly, like I said, um, it was obvious she wasn't looking for anything serious as much as I wanted to maybe push that. Uh, So I can't say we ever, you know, spent time together in places other than my office, sometimes this bar uh, in my apartment. So as far as where she might be, I... I don't know her habits all that well. All right, Marshall. Thank you for your time. If anything, uh, if anything comes up, like I said, you know where to find me. You let me know. Absolutely. If there was anything to do to ensure that she was safe and sound, I'd I'd definitely do that. So I'll, I'll keep in contact if I hear anything. All right. Well, Good luck with those tails you got. They can be nasty. I'll uh, say as I crush out my cigarette bud and uh, I'll uh, kill the remains of my drink, pat him on the shoulder and walk out of the bar, sticking him with the tab. <laughs> Rude. All right. It's it's a dominance move <laughs> in this case. You know, I feel, I feel like the other way would be like... Um, you know, you do the whole thing where you stand up and you pay for stuff and leave and all that kind of thing. But uh, I'm going the opposite route with this guy. Sure. So, all right. So, where are you headed? I think I would like to check out um, the. Uh, let's check out the casino first. All right. It's night. Place should be hopping. Uh, I assume you're taking your car then. Yeah, I think I'll drive. Park a park a few streets over. You know, no need to mess around with valets or anything like that. All right. Um, why don't you go ahead and make a sense trouble roll for me? All right, can do. Looks like a roll 2d6 for sense trouble. Got and three plus five. Five or better. So Fantastic. your first roll won't do it, but your second roll will. So you don't get a push because you needed both dice, but you do advance. So you succeed. Um, okay. As you were driving to the casino, you notice that you're being tailed. 
All right. What Sounds good. Uh, I'll just uh, let them tail me, actually. All right. Um, so you're just not going to do anything about it at this point. Right. I want to see like when I park where they park, you know, mm-hmm. and, and notice that if I, if I can notice that surreptitiously and, um, and, and, and make a mental note of like, okay, I parked here. I was like, Oh, okay. They parked over there because I have something in mind for what I'd like to do after we're stopped. Okay. So you keep driving to the Alegria, I'll show you what that looks like. And then I'll give you a little description. So at the end of this long sloping road in a suburb of Burbank, um, it's actually not far from a few of the big studios. There is this ranch style house, this sprawling affair. And that house, which is what you're seeing here, has been converted into an illegal casino called the Alegria. Um, Oh, it's illegal. Yes. It's not not on the up and up. (laughs) So there may be things you already know about this. So again, check your skills to see if you have anything you might be able to invoke. Um, But otherwise, you can uh, certainly choose to park anywhere along this drive um, or outside of it to approach the casino. I'm checking this list, right? You were saying check that list to see if there's anything that I could apply to what I might know about this uh, underground casino. Yep. Cause you might already know stuff about it depending on your, your skills, your abilities, your whatever. I don't know what they're called. All right. No, I don't think I have anything in here that would give me anything, um, you know, uh, you know, any, any information in my abilities list. I do have streetwise listed in my attributes, but I don't have any score for that. Yeah, so no I don't know. There's no scores. It, it's just it. you, yeah. if you have it, you have it. Yeah. If you're hot, you're hot. Okay, great. I have um, streetwise and I have uh, history. And then also, I mean, I feel like cop talk kind of would play into that because I used to be a cop. So I feel like I'd have a pulse or my finger on the pulse of illegal activities, maybe. So right. between those, I think I might have a pretty good idea of what's going on with this place, unless right. it's like brand new or something, because I haven't been a cop for a few years. Yeah, no. So your streetwise skill, which you developed in your time as a cop, would tell you plenty about this place. So you know that a guy named Whitey Alexander runs the joint. Let me make a note of this here. So I can give you Whitey Alexander. Oh, yeah. Okay. So here he is in his getup as a... uh, a dealer it looks like and i have no idea what game is being played there it's got like uh, some dice and a little hourglass shaped cage and it looks like maybe they turn that over to roll them and then that determines it's three dice and then there's a table in front of him that has like a you know some it's, it's painted to show like sets of three dice so that determines the outcome of something or whatever i'm like it's B- Baccarat. It's totally like <laughs> not. 
you know, it's, 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 uh, it's three point, three point Nelly or <laughs> like, I have no idea. <laughs> we don't know. We're not noir gamblers. Uh, it's okay. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Um, it's you so know, true. like any illegal casino operator worth his salt that he answers to an organization called the system. Hmm. And the system's a pretty interesting traditional mob run by a former vice cop turned crime lord named Guy McAfee. Okay. And I'll show you Guy as well, our local mob boss. And this is actually his picture because he is a historical figure. Right. Guy McAfee. Dude, okay. And he's a local mob boss. Now he's a formal former vice cop. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. And I feel like um let's see here. Yeah, I was just a beat cop, you know. Mm-hmm. Um I, I had aspirations of uh becoming a, a detective, but the force was so corrupt and I just refused to play ball. I couldn't advance and that's why I quit. So, um, you know, if he was a vice cop, he was more specialized. He was like not only a detective, but like a vice detective. So mm-hmm. I don't know that I ever would have rubbed elbows with him or maybe even known who he was necessarily, but I know who he is. Um, By his reputation you know, un- un- as a mobster. Underworld, yeah. right. Un- underworld style. Yeah. Well, you do know since he was in Vice that if he is now a mobster, his former colleagues are likely paid very well to look the other way since he oh, has absolutely. That right. Yeah. Now, so. Whitey, on the other hand, has a reputation. And you would probably know this a little bit better from your time as a beat cop as being the kind of mobster that you can depend on to treat you right if you're either lining his pockets or not prohibiting him from earning his profits. So basically like, you know, he's a very, you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type. Now you, since you are full of these pushes, I can tempt you to spend one if you would like to have a pre-established, respectful relationship with Whitey. If he already knows you, you know him, and maybe he's willing to talk to you. Yeah, no, that sounds great. I think we should definitely do that. All right, so let me change that for you. This is where you reduce my push tracker by one, okay. so I don't have to worry about it. Okay, cool. You're down to four. All right, so you know Whitey. Um, his boys know you. Um, you're not likely to have much trouble going in here or wanting to talk to anyone. Um, let me get this one set up. This one is a little bit more moving. So, you're not friends, because you wouldn't have been, obviously, but 
it's a it's a respectful. Um, he trusts you enough to talk to you, um, likely to respond to some questions, that sort of thing. Um, what do you think that maybe you did or didn't do that helped you to foster this relative level of comfort that he has with you? You know, on a former case that I was working, you know, which was a, a missing kid, you know, somebody had uh, snatched somebody's kid in order to lean on him, you know, put some pressure on him to to get them to do what they wanted. And my investigation yielded that uh, Whitey was probably involved, but rather than pursuing, um, you know, going down the road of uh, nailing, nailing him to the wall, I went to him first because it didn't seem like something that he would do. You know, like, like he had he had the code and the code is that you usually leave families out of it. You know, that's that's typically the agreement you keep. You keep your mob life and your family life separate completely. And everyone tends to generally respect that. And when that's deviated from, there can be serious consequences. So knowing that, I went to him like, hey, you know, here's what the signs are pointing to. But that doesn't sound like you. You don't know me and I don't know you, but we both know, you know, the unwritten, you know, the code, (laughs) right? And I don't think that's you. So I wanted I wanted to come to you with what I have found and see, you know, as a sign of respect and see if maybe you can help me get to the bottom of what's actually going on. Because I I really get the feeling from what I hear about you on the street that uh, you're the kind of guy who wouldn't stand for that sort of thing. So it makes more sense that you would help me nail the scumbag who was doing this and, and not be the culprit yourself. And he appreciated that. And, um, and it turns out that was true. My instinct served me well. And then we were able to work together to get that sorted out and get the kid home safe. And, uh, and then that's when I backed away because that was all I was you know involved with. And they handled whatever they did on their own and that's none of my business so from you know the blurry memory of the last time you interacted with whitey um it ends on like you know him saying you know for a dick you're all right ricky um as you like kind of float back into the present So, you know, and this is when you're going, this place is only open supper and evening time. That's when this place is jumping. It's the only time there's any point to come here because otherwise there'll be nothing to see, no one to talk to. Um, It's real swank, uh, like, you know, kind of hoity-toity folk who are, you know, want to get a little little dirty are going to be here. So you pass, like an actor you actually recognize um you know kind of jokingly grousing about his losses as he flirts with the hat checking girl um you know you see that there are musicians performers um you know in the main hall um you can see you know celebrities and other kind of fancy folk at the various tables throwing dice at the craps tables, that sort of thing. There's roulette and blackjack um, spread out all around this main room. And you can see 
strategically placed around the room are these very wide-shouldered um, men watching the guns on. Um, you can see the bulge of guns under their tuxedo jackets. Um, and again, you've already established you have streetwise. So I will let you know that it looks like Whitey has reinforced his security since the last time you were here. Um, maybe he's expecting trouble. Okay. Is there any, um, like there's usually like a stage at some casinos and stuff like that. There's usually, like shows are a big part yeah. of it. You know, there's gambling, there's music, yeah, there's of course food and drink. And yeah. Right. So um, I wanted to see if I know who, uh, who runs the talent here for Whitey, you know, for the, sh- the shows, you know, that's, I think that's who I want to talk to, but I also want to let Whitey know that I'm here. I don't want to operate on his turf without checking in with him first, because that would be a huge sign of disrespect, I think. So I don't necessarily need to have a face to face with him, you know? But uh, I, I definitely want to let Whitey know I'm here. So, well, because you make your push, so you have that relationship, you mm-hmm. do spot someone you recognize, um, Burl Treehorn. He's uh, one of the functionaries here at the casino, kind of uh, runs the, the back office for Wendy. Um, and uh, you can definitely catch his eye uh, and let him know that you needed a meeting or something like that if you wanted to do that. Yeah, if, if he's kind of uh, walking around, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post up somewhere where it makes sense so I'm not just standing around, you know, like, like a bean pole in a barren field. And, uh, and, and I kind of catch his eye and give him the... Uh, the, uh, the 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 sign the nod like you know hey I see you and uh, hopefully we can just uh, tag up really quick so um, he can make his way to... over when he sees you because he's definitely not trying to let a cop ruin the vibe in here either that's something he'd get in trouble for so he heads over and he's like uh, rookie what you need hey bro good to see you again look i just wanted to let why you know i'm i'm here working on a case and uh you know just trying to track down a girl isn't it always like that <laughs> anyway i didn't want to poke around on whitey's turf without letting him know first so um if that's gonna be a problem i can absolutely uh i can absolutely fill him in but uh, I'm not looking to cause any trouble for anybody. And uh, with respect, I'd just like to see if there's anything I can find out about uh, this dame I'm looking for. Well, uh, I'm sure if there's something you're looking for, why he doesn't want you just looking around. I'm sure he'll want to talk to you, but I'll have to head back to the office and see if he's available. Could you wait a minute? Of course, no problem. You know where to find me as I make my way over to the bar because I'm an alcoholic. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, so he heads through a door into the the back office. Um, I need you to resist the temptation of the tables, though, on your way to the bar. 
So, Ooh. this is going to be... I have an issue with gambling, too. Okay. Yeah, this is going to be a cool Now, you don't oh, have yeah. the problem vice hound, so this is actually not as difficult for you. Um, mm. But you do need at least a four to maybe play a little bit and not get in too deep. Um, you can earn an edge if you get a second better. But you definitely don't want to get three or less. If you do gamble, you get free watered-down drinks. <laughs> so so there is, that. there is that. Well, not watered-down necessarily, but the cheap stuff. Yeah. You know, because they want you to have a buzz on and have a good time and lose because <laughs> the odds are not in your favor. So that makes sense. All right. Well, let's see what happens. Um, so five. I, I rolled 1d6 for cool. And yeah, got a five. Yeah. You only have one cool, so you only get one die, which is fine. Um, mm-hmm, but you mm-hmm. rolled high enough not to get in too deep. So you know if you don't want to pay for drinks, you can sit down and maybe play a couple hands. You decide to play something you know you can play it safe on. And so you gamble a little bit, you kind of break even, and get a few crappy drinks while you Yeah, that sounds good. You know, I'm not particularly uh, picky when it comes to booze. You know, I'll usually get like... Um, I want to say there's like a, a brand of rye called Huntsman that I usually pick up and, and it has like the guy in the red jacket riding a, a, a horse with like some dogs <laughs> running along and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, and it's the cheap stuff. So I'm kind of used to that. All right. So uh, you're waiting, you're hanging out. Um, and you notice at the, uh, I mean, I assume that you're probably not uh, at a, a roulette table. That one seems a little hard. Yeah, I'd probably be playing uh, blackjack because yeah. you can always, you know, you, you, it's a pretty simple game. And as long as you're not trying to, like, turn a huge profit, you follow the, the safe bets rule, you yeah. do all right. So probably just, yeah, burning a few hands of blackjack. And you hear what catches your attention is the mention of the name Deacon uh, from a table nearby. And so, I don't know if you look over or if you just listen over, um, but what you hear basically is the, the person running the table is kind of encouraging this man to maybe keep trying his luck, even though he's obviously deep in the hole at this point. And he's like, ah, don't worry, Deacon. Luck can't evade you all night. Maybe try one more time. I'm actually, I'd, I'd like to give no sign, you know, that I overheard, right? I'm trying to play it low, I'm trying to play it cool. And, uh, but my ear is definitely going to twitch as I hear this name. I'm going to slyly look over and see if I can uh, get a description of, of who's having this conversation because I'm not going to make any moves without Whitey's blessing, but I mean, I can't help what I see in here, you know? So. So, show you Mr. Deacon. So, portly, balding, um, kind of a, you think maybe 
you know, with a little bit of drink hurdle, he'd be considered the jolly type. Um, but he seems pretty ill at ease right now. Not really enjoying himself at the table. Um, kind of sweating. Um, but yeah, you, you do hear the, uh, the dealer, whatever equivalent it is at a, a roulette table, <laughs> the baller, uh, refer to him as Mr. Deacon and Roscoe by turns. So, and the dealer is the one that is uh, talking him into continuing to gamble? Yeah, that's his job. Okay. All right, so even though it's apparently not going uh, well, okay. And this is just the dealer's job, though. Like, I don't get the sense that he's, like, leaning on him or anything. No. He's just doing the normal dealer thing. Yeah. So Roscoe seems nervous, you're saying? Yeah. Nervous. Yeah. Ill at ease. Yeah, ill at ease. Maybe a little bit nervous. Definitely, like, there's, you know, palms are sweaty, mop spaghetti, all that. Um, he doesn't look like he's having a good time gambling okay. maybe gambling with a purpose <laughs> but yeah got it okay yeah I'm just biding my time like I said I'm observing things you know all of this is for free but I'm not making any moves without uh, without Whitey's say so that's a good way to end up at the uh, bottom of the the river slash bay that is local to Los Angeles. <laughs> so, you know, you're noticing all these things. Eventually, Burl comes back, um, kind of taps you on the back of the elbow and says, All right, he's, uh, he's ready to see you. I can take you back there. All right. Lead, lead the. Uh, sorry, what's this guy's name again? Uh, Burl, Burl, gotcha. Yeah, sounds good. Lead the way, Burl. I'll uh, pick up my chips. And if I'm in the middle of the hand, I'll just, you know, leave my bet there and fold and walk away with Burl. Right. So um, he takes you kind of down a, a hallway through a door and then down this corridor that you know leads to Whitey's office because you've been back here before. Mm. On your way, okay. you pass a nervous pinstripe wearing shrimp carrying a folder that's bulging with uh, adding machine tapes and he mm. checks his watch and uh, speeds up his pace to pass you. Okay. Can I remember that guy's face? Oh, absolutely. It's very I'm going to remember that. <laughs> I'm going to remember that guy's face. Yeah. That, that's Your it. I just want to be able to recognize this guy's later. This, this guy, guy later. knows something. Yeah. Yeah, you'll, uh, you'll definitely have to catch up with this guy later. Um, but yeah, so you pass all of these things, um, uh, and then you eventually get to the grand door of Whitey's office. He is relegated kind of all of the most impressive pieces from the house into this room to like give the office an air of, of majesty if you will, it's got hunting trophies, oak furniture, there's a rifle rack. So it's like rustic manliness seems to be what he's going for. Mm -hmm. um, and he's pacing kind of impatiently when you come in. Okay. Um, he looks the type who uh, 
doesn't appreciate an unscheduled chin wag, as it were. He's got stuff to do. Mm-hmm. Right. He's like... No, that makes sense. Ricky, what you doing around here? You know, you know I'm here to help you, but can't have you impeding on business. Can't have people feeling nervous out there. I'll try and keep a low profile, Whitey. I got... I gotta tell you, the first thing I did when I got here, other than park my car and hang my hat, was check in with you. I'm not gonna make any moves on your territory without your say so. And if it makes you uncomfortable in any way, just say the word and I'm a ghost. But uh, I gotta tell you, um, I did notice Roscoe Deacon out there. And coincidentally enough, I'm out here looking after one of his daughters, Helen, to see uh, what had happened to her. I don't know if you heard, but she disappeared for a few weeks and came back not the same person and uh i have a bit of a lead that maybe she frequented here and i just thought i'd stop by and see what i could find out wanted to poke around a little bit but of course uh, she was here helen was my girl you know of course she wanted that a little hush hush but you know she was here all the time i mean her degenerate father can spend his days here all he likes you know but uh i still had to sneak around to see her because she didn't you know want to embarrass him too much because he is here quite a bit but uh no i know i know she's not doing well i haven't been up that way since like i said she wanted to keep us a little bit on the down low or whatever we say in this day and age uh <laughs> 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 um but I bet if she had some sort of breakdown, it was because of that witch of a sister she has. Hmm. Do you know that that woman barged in here once, made a whole scene trying to haul Helen out of the joint? Absolutely insane. Okay. So I fill him in on what's going on. Shooting straight with him. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and he lets me know that um, what's her name? Margaret. Margaret barged in. Yeah. Okay. Barged in one night. Yeah, one night. Mm-hmm. Made a whole big scene trying to drag Helen out of the joint. Inappropriate. Turn out like your father. Mm. Got it. Okay. Oh, gosh, I'm sorry to hear that. Those family entanglements, they can they can always be uh they can always be a pain in the keister, I tell you what. Um What was uh how did how did Helen take to that? Did she seem uh none too keen to accompany her sister home? Uh Helen never got along too well with Margaret. Margaret's so straight-laced. Doesn't approve of anything Helen does. If Helen wants to spend time with me, ah, what a sweet girl. I mean, I don't know why Margaret has to get into her business about it. You know, maybe eventually I'll try to bust her out of that house. It feels like they're keeping her prisoner there. I haven't heard hide nor hair of her since she got brought back home. Well, that's where she is. I was up around there to see her, and I can tell you she's doing all right. They're taking good care of her, it seems, but uh, it does seem a little uh, under lock and key. Eh. But, uh, 
right if now. If that helps you rest yeah. any easier. No, that that does help. I'm in a bit of a spot myself, so maybe being at home is what's best for. Her. I don't want to take up too much of your time. I just wanted to get your blessing. If I could maybe talk to some of your people, see if I can find in find out anything to help out uh, Helen and uh, determine what might have happened uh, while she was missing. Well, you know, I. Uh... I mean, most of the time that she was here, she spent with me. So I'm happy to answer what I can. I mean, within reason. We don't want to be indelicate with the details. Uh, you but, know, I never pry into your private life, Whitey. I'm not that kind of guy. no one here, knowing she was my girl, would have done anything to her. If you want to get into some business, maybe look into those crazy cultists she like hanging around with. All right. I'll, uh, I'll make a show of making some notes to see if, um, you know, you mind if I jot some of this down, Whitey? Off the record, of course, just for my personal investigation. Of course, Ricky. We have a relationship. What, uh, what cult are you referring to? You know, those, I mean, it's all nonsense. So, you know, just let her indulge her little fantasies. But people say that they do these black magic rituals under the full moon near the Hollywood sign, you know, where that starlet offed herself a few years back. I see. She ever mentioned a name? Uh, honestly, I wasn't paying too much attention to that stuff. Hey, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Gotta let them have their little indulgences, huh? Yeah, I mean, she was... She had her flights of fancy, you know? Helen was a... She was a fun kid. Hoping when she's feeling better that her family lets her out of the house so that I can see her again. Hey, fair enough. I'll flip my little uh, notepad uh, closed and put pencil in its little loop. Tuck it back into my jacket. Well, I really don't think there's any need for me to talk to anybody else around here. Unless there's anyone you think that might uh, be able to uh, help me out with this that I should chat up. No, like I said, the only people I think that would be harmful other than her sister uh, are those whack jobs that she had some interest in. Like I said, she was safe here. No one's going to mess with her. But uh, I'm sorry, Ricky. You know, this girl... Uh, love this girl. Anything I can do for her, I would. So let me know if there's something I can help you with, but kind of got a bit of my own pickle right now. I can't spend too much time chatting, if you know what I mean. I understand. Anything I can help you out with? Eh, uh, I mean, it's nothing that I can't handle. Just some bum from the east trying to push his weight around here. Hmm. Well, I know you know how to handle your business, but uh, you know I'm always happy to help if there's anything I can do. You just let me know. Uh, maybe check in with me a little bit later. Let me know if you find anything, but uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe I could use your services since I'm known a little bit too well by these guys. You know what I mean? I'll definitely keep you posted on what I find out about your main girl, Helen. And uh, other than that, I'll... Uh, I'll take my leave. I don't want to cool the tables or anything like that. I appreciate it. And with that, I'll probably stand up, put my hat back on, and uh, 
you know, make my make my exit from Whitey's office. All right. So awesome. Are you going back and doing things on the floor, or are you leaving like you said you would? Uh, I mean, I probably should leave like I said I was going to, you know, because, uh, I mean, unless I could catch a glimpse of that accountant guy or maybe where he might have gone to ask him what's going on, you know, that that would be a a, a target of opportunity, so to speak, I think. You don't see him when you head back out on the floor. Um, you know you might be able to check in with your police contacts to figure out who this guy is, maybe where he operates. Um, you know, he's obviously some kind of bookkeeper just based on what he was carrying, but beyond that, Hmm. you don't see him out here. And he's pretty distinctive. Seems like he probably head out in a hurry after his meeting with Whitey. Okay, gotcha. All right. Well, yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I feel like I should maybe make a, a note of that. So this was a, uh, what a nervous looking, bustling accountant. Yep. Accountant um, type. He's like a, he was real scrawny, kind of short guy, but in a big pinstripe suit, like, fitting <laughs> for his size um definitely nervous hurried looking carrying a folder full of uh receipt tape from an adding machine carrying a ledger bristling with adding machine tapes mm-hmm. okay I might want to follow up on who he is so i memorized his appearance okay gotcha all right. I think I'd like to uh, exit the casino, maybe by a, a side hatch or out the kitchen or something like that, sure. not out the front door. Absolutely. Because I want to double back around to where the car that was tailing me parked mm. and see if I can maybe pull a Jack Reacher on them, you know, sneak up on them and confront them, maybe forcefully if necessary. Find out who they are, let them know I don't like being followed and that sort of thing. All right. This is a point where I'm going to give you a little bit of a choice. Okay. A lot's going to happen in like any good noir setting. You're going to have to decide which way to go. Okay. So you exit out one of the side doors, one of the less used doors, maybe one where people pop out for a breath of fresh air. The casino's smoky. It's hot. Uh, especially here in LA and especially in noir LA where it's often humid as well because of the constant rain. (laughs) Um, And as you're walking outside, you can see in like kind of the main parking area that you avoided um, because you didn't want to deal with valets and stuff like that. As you leave, um, there is this explosion. Um, What to your practice eye seems like a bomb that was planted under a car goes off and this huge orange fireball like throws the car up in the air. It flips lands on its, on its hood, on its roof, basically Uh, crushes a couple of other cars. Flaming debris is launched in all directions. I'd like you to make an athletics check for me, if you wouldn't mind. 
I would not mind at all. Seems in my best interest to uh, make an athletics role. And I will right. tell you, just so you know, because you can always know in, in advance, three or mm. less bad, four to nine, fine. Um, if you got 10 or more, you would get an advance, which would give you an edge. So Great. you got okay. six, which means you're going to be okay. You could, if you wanted to, spend your quick reactions edge if you wanted to roll another d6 to see if you got to 10. But that's totally up to you. I'm not trying to make you spend your stuff too early. Nah, I think I'll hang on to it for now. All right. So you aren't hurt. Uh, you know, bits of like burning debris are flying all about. Um, your clothes get a little singed in a spot, um, which of course is going to earn you plenty of smart aleck remarks by anyone who cares about the way you look. Uh, but other than that, you are totally fine. Now, you can head back to the car that was tailing you, which you see is still parked there. Or the other thing you notice is that you see two men sitting in the front seat of a dinged up Ford coupe. And unlike everyone else who's spilling out of the casino into the parking lot, they look cool as cucumbers. Almost as though they were expecting this. Yep. And as you kind of mm. keep an eye on them, you see the driver turn the ignition key and start to drive off. Okay. I think I'll just maybe make a note of their uh, description, you know, if, if I can. All right. But uh, if I don't you think I'm going to try to stop push, them. Since you have Streetwise, I can let you know that you already know who they are. Oh, absolutely. All okay. Right. Let me bring you down to three. <laughs> All right. You've run across these mooks before. Um, they were milling around this place called A.M. Hillier and Company. It's a magazine and newspaper warehouse down on Pico Street. Okay. So they work for AM and Hillier? You've seen or? them down there. What you know, because it's something you've noticed over the last year or so, is there are a lot of shady characters that have been gravitating to that particular warehouse and docks uh, over the last 12 months. Okay. Cool. All right, so you could follow the bombers. You could go back to the shady car. Totally up to you. Um, you do know where you've seen them before, so you could try to catch up with them later is also a thing. Mm -hmm. Or mm -hmm. you could stay here to kind of see what the response is to what's going on. I think I'm going to use the confusion for even more cover to double back around and uh, get the drop on my, uh, on my tails. All right. So... You are looking to catch the one tailing you. Um, you're kind of trying to do it in a way where you're concealed, right? Yeah, I definitely don't want to notice them. I want to catch them flat-footed, yeah. So that would be shadowing if you wanted to try okay. to do that. Um, yeah. And you would need three or better. It's not too difficult. Well, let's uh, see what happens. Right. Cool. <laughs> well then. It's an eleven, folks. All right. So, um, 
this, as you can tell from what I told you is required, not, this is not his forte, shadowing people and being sneaky and stuff like that. So tell me how you, cause he's sitting in his car, what you do to kind of catch him up and stop him from getting away. It's just one guy. One guy. Gotcha. Is it, is it a, a sedan or is it more of a, a coupe? A four door, or is it? Yeah, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, um, it's a it's a decent car, a newer of German make. Okay, so um, if it's a four door, I have a plan. But sure. if it's I a mean, two door, I need to adjust want. my plan. Yeah. So, okay, gotcha. So then I'll just I'll run with my little plan. Then um, what I'd like to do is sneak up behind the car, but stand in the, the the blind spot that typically exists, right? And you approach it somewhat obliquely so that if he happens, so I don't show up as motion in his peripherals in uh, in either of his mirrors is, is the idea, mm-hmm. right? And get right up on the car close that way and then just pop the back seat door open and slide into the back seat behind him with, uh, with my 45 out and rest it on his shoulder. I want to say, hey there, whoever this guy is <laughs> well, you don't because know. apparently I recognize him. Oh, no, you, I don't recognize you him. You recognize the, the guys going away from the bombing, not the guy who is tailing you. Okay. Sorry. I, I misheard. I misunderstood. I thought I recognized this guy too, but all right. No, in that case, that's fine. I can just say, Hey there chum looking for anybody in particular. Oh, hello there. I was, Honestly, just seeing if you were maybe associated with that Marshall Daly fellow. You know, my associates in my business, I like to uh, keep a little close to the vest. You want to tell me who you work for? (laughs) No one right now, I can assure you. I'm a freelance reporter. Ah, so you work for one of the local rags. Which one? Like I said, freelance. No one's picked up the story I'm working on yet, but once it's put together, they're all going to be clamoring for it. I gotta tell you, friend, I don't much like being followed. They usually uh, end up uh, somewhere they don't particularly much like. Um, You know... I can see that I was following the wrong person. I will go back to checking in on the other people of interest for this story. Obviously, you are 100% red blood American. No problem here. I will leave you to your business. Sounds like an excellent plan. A good health plan, if you will. I got to tell you, if I see you again, you won't see me. And then the lights are just going to go out. I'll nudge the the back of his skull right under the ear with the barrel of my 45. Make sure uh, this is the first and last time we meet, pal. Uh, No problem. I'm no match for you. Surely you will never see me again. I feel like this guy has got a lot of false humility going on. I don't think that this is uh, true at all. I think this guy's lying to me. So I want to see if he's uh, on the up and up. If he's genuinely in. 
I do. I'd like to assess his honesty and see if he's genuinely intimidated by me or if he's just kind of, you know, playing me off. Like, you know, oh, let the tough guy have his, uh, what he thinks he wants to hear. Listening to what he says, um, when he claims he's a freelance reporter, seems true, or at least technically true. Maybe a cover for something, but it doesn't seem like a lie. Um, when he says that like all the papers in town are going to be clamming, clamoring for what he puts together, seems optimistically maybe, but not a lie. Um, and uh, kind of putting together that he was following Marshall Daly and seeing if you were involved and then says, nope, you're definitely 100% red blood American. Um, he's definitely following up with something having to do with uh, maybe the communist cell or communist folk in the industry. That said, if he's been following Marshall, he could know something, but you know, up to you how you want to follow up on this at all. Also, you didn't get his name. Just little reminding you of that. Right. Uh, yeah, that, that sounds good. Uh, well, I mean, any good detective is not going to leave any, uh, any stone unturned. So rather than making my exit, I think I'll, uh, fish the, uh, photograph of, um, of Helen that I have out of my, uh, out of my jacket and, uh, and show it to him. Cause it, it's interesting. I'm sitting like right behind him. Mm-hmm. So he can't really see me. Right. But I can definitely see everything he is doing. Mm-hmm. And I have my, uh, my 45 on this shoulder behind him and, uh, fishing the picture out with my other hand, I'll hold it in front of him like this. And, uh, you ever seen this dame before? Ah, the skirt. Go on. Ah. Daly has seen her many times that I've, I'm aware of anyway. Uh, she got him mixed up with some crooked accountant named Phil Block. Phil sure Block, huh? That's who you were here following up on, yes? He's a rough customer. I just won't say anything. I don't have to worry about maintaining a poker face because he can't see me. Mm-hmm. So I'll just uh, stonewall that one. You see this girl hanging out with uh, Marshall pretty frequently, huh? When's the last time you saw them together? Hmm. Maybe six weeks ago. All right. That checks out. Nice. Okay, <laughs> cool. I'll put the uh, the photograph away. And uh, he gave me a name just now. He did. Um, let's see. Phil Block. So I interrogate and intimidate this guy to stop following me. And he, and so he also mentions, well, what did he, uh, what was the context that he mentioned Phil Block in? That um, the skirt, Helen, had gotten Marshall mixed up with a crooked accountant named Phil Block, and that he was a rough customer. He also noted that surely that's why you were here at the casino, was to look into this character. Okay. The accountant, Phil Block. Nice. 
<laughs> yeah. Okay. Kind of while you're mental mathing all this, he's like, yep, rough customer. If you were talking to him, you better go in with your gun out. I'm sure that's uh, kind of gesturing to what you're doing to him. Like, like you, this is what you're ready for sort of thing. All right. It seems I was following Phil and informs me that uh, Phil is a bit of a rough customer. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah, I just, uh, so I feel pretty good that uh, this guy's not going to follow me anymore and stay maybe on Marshall, which is fine with me. I don't care. I'm under no obligation to help Marvel Marshall out with his issues. So do you want to see what this guy looks like? Yeah. Here you go. <laughs> okay. All right. It's this guy. Sounds good. Yeah. Like you said, portly bow tie, big mustache. <laughs> doesn't doesn't nice. look like a someone who's normally like stealthing around and checking things out. But there you go. Gotcha. All right. Well, good to know. Uh, okay. You have anything else for him or? No, no. I feel like I made my point, you know, that I'm not, uh, I'm not his guy friend. <laughs> and so, uh, I feel good that he, uh, has taken that to heart and is not gonna pursue me anymore. And, uh, I got some good information. I got the name of the accountant. Um, that being said, I, I would, uh, when he mentions Phil Block, I would probably say, oh, Phil, huh? And, and give a description of Phil with the uh, ill-fitting pinstripe suit and, and so on. And like, mm. you know, oh, this guy, that guy looks like this kind of guy, yeah. you know, just to make sure we're talking about the same dude. And he uh, is able to confirm your suspicions and says, yeah, he's tougher than he looks. Be careful with that one. Uh, thanks for the advice. I'll take that for free. You take care of yourself. Um, what'd you say your name was again? Friends. Friends Spielsman. You take care of yourself, friends. I gotta say, it can take you a long way, knowing what paths to cross and what paths to leave untrodden. Don't worry, you'll never see me again. I'll step out of his vehicle and uh, shut the door quietly and disappear. No, just, just walk away. <laughs> right? Smoke bomb. Your shadowing roll was high enough that... And actually, just to make sure we're using our rules, for him, because he's not that good at this stuff, you only needed three or better. On your first die, you had six, which means you get one of your pushes back. Because you didn't. Oh yeah. Guy. So you're back up to four. Nice, nice. Yeah, I got to spend those wisely, for sure. But uh, yeah, you know, we'll we'll see. To tempt you into losing them all, so don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, we'll see on the one hand, I, I don't want to spend them frivolously on the other hand. I don't want to end up that, you know, <laughs> a Skyrim, uh, Skyrim, Skyrim syndrome, oh. as I think of it, where you just like, I'm going to need this healing potion. right? So you just have this giant inventory full of shit that you yeah. never use. So, yeah. Uh, so yeah, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it plays out, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, I think I think I can uh, head back to uh, to my car. All right. Thank you, barbarians, for listening to episode two in Fathomless Sleep, our Cthulhu Confidential series. If you want to support our podcast and help us make more content, you can check us out on patreon.com slash justbarbarianthings, and you can join the likes of our newest patron, Atomic Banana. Thank you, Atomic Banana. You can also help us out by using the drive through RPG link. If you're interested in this game or this scenario that we're playing, if you use our link to check it out and buy it or anything else that you wanted to get for your RPG collection, that puts a little bit of money into our book account, which makes it a lot easier for us to get new content uh, to run for our games. If you like the music in our intro and outro, it's Interrogation Room on Tabletop Audio. You can check them out at tabletopaudio.com for free music and ambient sound for use in your games. Links to everything I've mentioned and more can be found in the description. And until next time, barbarians, spend your rage and your rain-soaked nights wisely.